Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK. Podcast powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. For Goldschmidt, and it's three nothing. The entire yard, and use that part of the field. How about the seats? Out of here! Way out of here! DeYoung is red hot. 0-2 pitch. Fly ball into center. Bader has it. The Cardinals take two of three. They win it. Two to one, and that's 24 straight saves to begin the career of Alex Reyes without a blown save, a historic save here at Bush. Uh, fun day at Bush, fun weekend at Bush, and this is supposed to be a fun hour, but um, I missed I'm you, hurt. Dan. It's I'm beautiful. Hurt. It's great to see your beautiful, shining face I, this morning. You know what, though? I. I was genuine in saying, hey, it's great to be back. That's not what you said at all. Oh, I did. No. Oh, yeah. No. Tanner, back me up on this. I said, it's awesome to be back. Awesome to I, see you. I wasn't here when this occurred. And then I looked at BK and I said, uh, great to be back, be back with you guys as I took the week off. And uh, so the hour was jumbled a little bit. Now we're back in our groove. And and uh, BK said, no, no, really. Uh, it, it, I appreciate your honesty. He said yeah. it was kind of nice not doing the hour, so I had time to prepare for my show, <laughs> oh, which I really appreciate. You're, you're adding extra stuff on here. Why? I just said not having that extra hour. You know, it's less content, less content to fill, man. And but I it's got to be filled, and there is no better way to oh, do no, no. it. Hold on. And I with s- the great and, oh, oh, yeah. Danny Mack. And I said, man. Future I re- red jacket, Danny Mack. Shut up. And I said, <laughs> man, I really miss this hour. I missed it. I was yearning for it. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. a, that's what I said. Yeah. Why don't you tell now the, the, tell the listeners the truth? Suddenly, Danny Mac is a little more excited to be on the air today, huh? Jeez. <laughs> Man, this it's is good tough. to have you back, Dan. It's great it's to be to back. Cardinals win uh, Friday 7 to 2, then Saturday 3 to 1, and yesterday an exciting game 2 to 1. So they take 2 of 3, and the pitching, you know what? There's a great concept in baseball. It's really good. I don't know if you've heard this. Um, If you pitch well, you have a chance to win. Damn. It really works. It's taken me 24 years of doing the games to figure this out. And it just came to me this weekend. Do you know how many people in their cars, with their kids in the cars, just just say, hey, listen to that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing how that works. Yeah. The insight that you can only get here from 10 to 11 when Danny Mac's in studio. Look, I never give cliches. (laughs) Never. (laughs) <laughs> it's so weird, Dan. I feel so much better about the offense, and they scored seven runs this weekend. I don't feel great <laughs> about the offense. I feel great, though, about Goldschmidt. And I DeYoung. love what I'm seeing there. I love what I'm seeing out of Paul DeYoung. I like what I'm seeing out of O'Neal. I, I know that Arenado is going to, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to look up, and at the season, it's going to be 25, 30 bombs, close to 100, if not over 100, yeah. and hits 260. So I'm fine with that, and he's going to win a gold glove. So... This is, as I said in the crossover, the blueprint is there. We know it. You got to get to Gallegos. You got to get to Reyes. You got to get to Cabrera more times than not. And hopefully those guys are rested or have a chance to pitch in the game with a tie game or a lead. 
and I like my chances. I thought Wade LeBlanc was fine yesterday. Um, Ryan Helsley won you the game. He did a hell of a job. He comes in with runners at first and third and nobody out and gets out of it. You know, I the, the way the Cardinals played that, too, they basically conceded the run at third. So Arenado mm-hmm. was in. Goldie's holding. And you got to play your middle infield back because, you know, you're going to try to take two for the one. And uh, and he gets a strikeout. Now, all of a sudden, it changes the complexion of the inning. And he's been great, BK. He's one of the best, I think, top three right now in baseball with uh, getting out of situations of inherited runners. I think it's like four of 25 have scored. Man, you take that. And so that's the blueprint, trying to get to those guys. Who can bridge you the gap? Who's a starter that can give you five or six? Wade LeBlanc did it. Mm-hmm. He's throwing 86, 88. And he's throwing that little cutter on the outside to righties, and he's getting strikes. I, just everything worked, and you got a couple of timely hits. You got the DeYoung home run. That's how you win games. Can we give a little bit of a disclaimer? I'm yeah. not trying to pee in anybody's Cheerios no, this morning. I, I oh, expect it from on. you. That's what it sounds like, BK. It, you're in talk radio. I, I mean, this is what you do. I come in here with sunshine and lollipops, and I'll rain on my parade. Go I ahead. I was the one that said I was excited about the offense, and you, you said, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm excited about individuals. That's put fair. it that way. Uh, okay, totally fair. That Giants team you played isn't quite the same Giants team as what they had built their lead in the division from. Uh, they've got a few guys that are on the I.O. right For now. Sure. Some of their best players, Posey, Belt, Longoria. Now, that being said, I don't care who's out there. The Cardinals have missed so many opportunities against bad teams this year that going and taking two out of three, even against a completely depleted Giants team, do whatever it takes. I got to say this, though. I would counter this, and it's not the same names. Sure. So it might be a little bit apples and oranges here. However, when's the last time that you looked up and you said, oh, Bader, O'Neal, Carlson for a stretch of games are in sure. my outfield. That allows me to play Tommy Edmond if I want at second base. Paul DeYoung is healthy. so And now he's starting to contribute. So now maybe he's finding his rhythm. Um, and that's what I mean. I, I think, again, I, you're right. Okay, so understand what I'm saying here. Yeah, You're right. Those are big, big names and guys that are are having resurgent years, especially Posey and Belt has been good and Crawford's been awesome. And he missed a game, you know, because of the hammy on Saturday. So apples to oranges. However, this is the team that you thought you were going to have coming out of spring training. And by the way, there is no Miles Michaelis. There's no Jordan Hicks. There is no Jack Flaherty. So, you know, Cardinals have taken their hits in different ways. Again, apples to oranges. I understand what you're saying. Not the same team, but still, you come away four out of six, you take it. Absolutely, and you feel good about it. And you don't apologize for beating good teams, no matter how decimated they are by injuries. You you take them when you can get them. And I thought yesterday's game, Dan, was the perfect symbolism of what this Cardinals team is going to need, at least over the next two to three weeks, as you're still getting these guys back on the pitching side. You got 16 of 21. You just started the first three of 16 of 21 at home. Yesterday... You get a pretty good start. You end up with the bridge that you're talking about. And then to be able to get that winning run across, it was scratching and clawing and whatever we got to do with Harrison Bader on that. Whoopsie do find a way to get to first without them tagging the bag before you do. Yeah. Like that was old school backyard baseball. I'm going to beat you to that bag. There's no way you're getting me out here. And Harrison Bader found a way that was winning baseball that they played yesterday. Find a way against uh, a pre a a pitch, by the way, that if he said, if you went back to him and I know John very well. And if I said, Hey, you happy with that pitch? He'd say, I'd take a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. It was a good pitch. And Bader just did a good job of, of putting it in play, which is all you have to do in that spot. Put the pressure on the defense. You cannot strike out there. 
So I don't care if you bunt, fly ball, check swing, whatever. You put it in play and good things happen. And that's what the Cardinals did. Um, let's talk a little bit, too, about Alex Reyes. This sure. guy, a uh, couple of walks. That's been the M.O. this year. It's kind of funny. When he walks a couple now, I just go, oh, he walked a couple. But he's going to find a way because the guy is just flat out nasty. And I was watching. I can't remember, BK, who it was. I bet you do. Somebody over the weekend when Reyes was in. I guess it was Saturday because he closed out Saturday, too. He had 19 pitches in that game. They had a side view of um, the hitter. And so he threw a breaking ball. And so it wasn't the, the the center field camera. It was a side view. And the guy missed it. I can't remember who it was. Missed it by two feet. And I think a person would say, why would you swing at that? Wow, my God. How can you swing at that? You swing at that because his stuff is so filthy. It's ridiculous mm-hmm. how good it is. Now, going forward, I think what's really fascinating with Alex Reyes is this. Um. He wants to be a starter. However, you have a guy that has been forced into closing that he's got to be in the back end of your games if for the time being. And hear me out. I think if you go south or if you get out of the race, I think you put Alex Reyes in the rotation. And and I'll tell you why. He wants to be a starter. You're going to give him that shot to do it next year. And then worry about the back. And maybe it's Giovanni Gallegos in the back end of your games next year. And that's your closer. Or you go out and get one. But if... Now, there's a lot of ifs, and I'm saying if you go way south and you say, we're out of the race, you know who goes in the rotation for me? Alex Reyes. And I would put him in there, and I'd start building up and and banking some innings. Now, if I'm in the race, which I am, and I'm in the wild card right now, and I've got the the Cubs coming to town, and I've got 16 to 21, and I'm not even close to being out of the race yet, I'm keeping Alex Reyes as my closer because he's phenomenal. He's 24 out of 24 to start his career, and that was, without a blown save, that's a major league record. He said it yesterday. But what I'm, I just, I was thinking about this Saturday and Sunday, and I'm saying, okay, this is a team hovering around 500, and certainly the wild card is within reach, and that's what you're banking on, and you're banking on getting healthy in August with your rotation with Flaherty and Michaelis, and LeBlanc has been fine, and, and maybe Jake Woodford is great and settles things down, and we go on a run. You say, wow, I'm not I'm not touching Alex Reyes. However, in that final month, if I'm out of it, a couple weeks, three weeks, a month, whatever, I'm putting Alex Reyes in my rotation. I'm, ba- I'm going to start building him up. You listened to the show last week, didn't you? Actually, I didn't. <laughs> I'm just giving you crap. Sorry. Um, I, I just didn't. I turned off everything. No, I, I'm glad you did, Dan. Okay, I'm sorry. glad you did. You deserve some time off. I think the same thing. I actually went so far as last week to say I would have done it even if they weren't out of it. Given the current status of the rotation, this is more a statement against in some ways, and God bless him, Woodford, as much as it is anything else. Well, I bet it was on the table. I I would imagine it was on the table. I think Um, it should have been. But if you're going to do it, you probably needed to do it four weeks ago and and get him going a little bit and then say, hey, second half, we get Flaherty Reyes, and then this guy – the 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 problem is, man, that's great, and I love the idea of doing it for him, but I still got to get the 27th out and get to the 27th out and get to the 24th and get to the 21st, you know, yeah. and at least I can build backwards from him, and that's where the Hicks injury is huge. You know, if, if you had Hicks, you'd feel probably a lot more comfortable making that move. Mm-hmm. You just don't have him, so, um, and you didn't have guys throwing strikes out there, so I understand why they did it, but I, I think going forward, Again, I'm putting the the cart well ahead of the horse. If 
you're into that, you know, late August, early September. I think it's something to think about. If but, you get into evaluation mode, that that's where yeah. this becomes interesting <clears throat> is do you potentially make that move? Because 2022, if you're going to be a really good team, and I think they can be, I think they've got some potential to be very good next season. A big part of that's going to be Alex Reyes taking that step as a starter. For, for sure. He, he has to be a significant piece to what you're building here. And I believe he can be. I believe he will be. But I thought comments that he made yesterday after the game were really interesting, Dan. He was talking about how as a reliever, the biggest change for him is if he doesn't have a certain pitch, yeah. he doesn't throw it. Right. As a starter, you're going to have to throw that. And so he needs to get more comfortable. And it's not a shot against him. It's just the reality of the differences between starting and coming in as a reliever. He's going to have to get comfortable not having his best stuff on any given night and still having to get through six innings. And when he was a starter previously, that was kind of the issue. He'd give you three, four strong innings and then he'd dive out of the game because his pitch count goes up, all of those different things. So that's going to be something that I think he's going to have to work on. So uh, Alex Reyes sets a major league record yesterday. Yesterday, you know, is when I when I kind of heard it. But, you know, like I said, I try and go out there and not think about those things and, and just compete. And I feel like that 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 makes everything easier instead of you know thinking about a bigger picture or something like that instead of just you know staying in the moment and trying to execute pitch by pitch and a guy that knows him so well which is i think the unique aspect of mike schilt is that he had him in the minor leagues and now he's got him in the big leagues it's a phenomenal record i mean good for him congratulations so um impressive that's an impressive record uh, it really is um and he earned it that's for sure and um he's just done a fantastic job for us it's um is it more special to, because he's overcome the adversity he's overcome? Probably. Uh, nonetheless, that's a very, very, very impressive, special um, record. Anytime you hold a major league record for anything, it says something in this game, and he's got a record that is very impressive. I'd be really interested, in, and uh, yesterday was the first time I was down on the field, and I got to say hi to Mike Schilt and Ali Marmol and some of the players. It was awesome. It felt like being uh, back to normal, and I said hello to Alex Reyes, and I'd love to pull him aside today and just ask him, which happens sometimes, BK, when guys are thrust into being relievers or in particular closers, they get a taste of it, of the idea of the game is on the line, the adrenaline, the handshakes afterwards, the ups and downs of it, uh, the idea of coming to the ballpark and com- having a chance to compete every day. They sometimes say, I really like this. Now, he has talked about wanting to be a starter. Yeah. I prefer him as a starter if possible. Um I, I am curious. I would love to just pick his brain and to say, hey, what's it been like? You know, how much do you like it? And here's the other thing. At the end of the day, it's their career. And if you're Alex Reyes and you got filthy stuff and uh, you're hitting free agency and you can be a starter, what's your earnings potential to be a starter as opposed to a lights-out closer? Mm-hmm. You're going to make money either way, but your starting potential is is vast. I mean, finding starters that can be dominant are guys that you pay a lot of money to, and that's why you gravitate towards that side. However... From the baseball competitive point of view, I've always found it really interesting when guys say, man, I I do love starting. It's what I want to do. However, I love being able to come to the ballpark, play catch, and understand I might be a part of the storyline of this game, and it keeps me involved and engaged. And that's pretty cool. It's exciting, right? Like, you've got the adrenaline going, and we've always heard from anybody that has thrown those last three outs. The last three outs are different. Should they be? Does it appear to be on the outside? Maybe not. Doesn't much matter. The people that have done it will tell you. Those last three outs are a little different, and there's a little more pressure on you. 
And the way that Alex Reyes has responded this season, and Dan, you're right, he makes things interesting sometimes. He'll put a runner on for no reason to start out the inning. He throws four straight balls, and you're like, oh, is this going to be the one? And it just never is. Yeah. It, so far, every single time that he comes out in a closing situation, he has not once, knock on wood, given it up, which is just a remarkable thing for him to break a record as the great, basically the most consistent, productive closer to start out his career in Major League history. That is unbelievable stuff, man, especially given what he's overcome in his career, both on and off of the field. It's amazing. It's an incredible feat for Alex Reyes. I know Al Roboski is listening right now because he listens all the time. I know, Al, that you feel the last three outs aren't any different than the other three outs. And I understand you're the fireman of the year (laughs) and you did it for a long time, but you're wrong, Al. Talk to other guys and they say it's different. Al says no. I'm standing by it. No, Al. I gotta get Al on the show. I'm gonna say it's different. Let me get Al on the show. (laughs) This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. I had no idea when I walked into the studio that we were going to have the assistant GM, the man that runs the draft for the Cardinals until Tanner said this. Well, I guess it was yesterday. And then we talked about it going in the studio. Randy Flores is going to be a part of the show. And when I heard that, I said, this has made my day. It's made my day. That's BK. I'm Danny Mac. And we say good morning to Randy Flores of the Cardinals. Hello, Randy. How are you? No. Now you got me chuckling already, right out of the get-go. What's going on here, Danny Mac? What do you mean? I don't want to get – this is a serious conversation to break down what the hell is going on with the draft and with you and your life and your family. I mean, this I want to get down to the nitty-gritty, so let's go. How you how doing? Much, how much time you got? Let's get into it. <laughs> Not enough. I know that. Uh, first of all, congratulations on your draft. Another one um, under your belt. Now it's about trying to get the guys in, signing them and placing them. Just a general question. How did you like your draft? You know what? There's such a, a tremendous buildup, and, and you know you, you prep year round, and the manpower and hours that go into it, with our boots on ground, uh, video scouting, our analytical department, our performance and medical team giving their evaluations, our, our, our movement analysis and hitting analysis, and so just so many moving pieces. And then over three days, you know, you, you kind of blink, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, it's over. And so looking back, I'm pleased with our process. Really, really proud of the way our scouts worked through um, the, the, the work environment uh, due to the pandemic and the restrictions. Uh, I, I think actually you have to tip your cap to the players, uh, really, because it was just a, a draft like unlike any other regarding what their, their season was like and, and the differences that they had in their work and preparation. And so um, you take a bit of a breather. And right away, you have scouts already back on the road looking towards next year's draft. Randy, first of all, thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning. I know you're a busy man. So five rounds last year in the draft, 20 this year in the draft. That's not even what it would typically be to make up one full draft cycle for you guys. How much does that, if at all, change your approach to the drafts? Does it does it change anything for you guys? You know what? What it did is we were, we had a real sense that the draft class was very deep, right? And so when you only have a five-round draft class you know, two drafts ago, uh, you have all those players that return to college. And so a player who is normally, let's just say, a Saturday starter uh, and is drafted in the seventh round, uh, that player instead goes right back to college. And, and there's a trickle-down effect where that young kid now who normally gets a shot as a Saturday starter, that young kid is now in the bullpen or a Tuesday starter. And an older, more experienced guy is, is keeps his rotation spot or moves up. And so 
that trickle-down effect was very real and something that we had to be diligent and work through and look for opportunities as the draft unfolded to kind of tap that depth. Tell our fans about uh, the pitcher that you selected with the first pick. Michael McGreevy out of UC Santa Barbara is kind of out of central casting as a starting pitcher, what, what you think of. And what I mean by that is his athleticism just kind of comes out of him um, on the mound as he was, he showed up to college as a, as a two-position player and, and realized that his arm had a special gift in relation to his bat and, and put his and transferred his athleticism to the mound. One of the things that's also fun about that, um, a, a position player transferring to the mound, is, is some of the position players that I played with who then go to the mound, I was always envious because they just threw strikes. And they threw strikes so easily and free because they knew how hard it was to hit the ball. And that really comes across when you watch Michael McGreevy, just an exceptional um, strike thrower, a very, very low walk rate. He keeps the ball in the ballpark. He works very fast. And then add to that that the upper ends uh, and bands of his velocity is up to 95 and 96, and we think that, that there's even more in him to hit that consistently, a pick we're really excited about. But you were left-handed, though. You weren't going to throw strikes anyway. No. What I, my motto was to throw three balls halfway to home plate and hope that he swings at one of them. <laughs> I, I understand that. I get it. Um, you, you went with a lot of college pitching, though, with this draft, and maybe you can tell us, pull back the curtain a little bit uh, as to why that was the direction for the Cardinals this year. Yeah, sure thing, right? And so we, we pivoted, and you kind of see that if you just examine the picks inside of our first 70, our first three picks, you would say, wow, the Cardinals went really heavy for power uh, with Joshua Baez and Ryan Holgate, you know, complimenting the pick of Michael McGreevy. But what we did do after that now is now we get into the third round or so, um, we did tap into that college pitching class. And you know, as our board unfolds, the further away you get from your first pick, the closer an evaluation a lot of players get in some situations. And certainly that, you know, was the case this year. And when they're close, you know, what broke the tie for us was to tap the depth of this draft, which was the college pitching. And so starting with Austin Love through Zane Mills and Gordon Graceffo and Reese, um, you know, we really, you know, rattled off several picks there uh, of a strong collegiate pitching class. Randy, I'm curious, and I think Cardinals fans would be curious to hear this. How much of your drafting strategy is based upon what the Cardinals currently have in their system? Or do you guys just truly go with the best player available? You know what? It's, it's, it, it, the answer depends on when the draft is occurring. What I mean is where you are in the rounds. And so if you get much further away from the first few rounds, it does play some role as you're looking to fill your minor league teams. That being said, there's now even less minor league teams than before. And so what, we, what you do try to do because of the length of time that it takes from draft to, to possibly being uh, on the cusp of the big leagues, plus injuries, pitchers get hurt, um, is, is instead you really do have to be disciplined to not look at what the immediate needs are, you know, down here, downstairs in Bush Stadium, or what's the perceived needs uh, of the club today or in two weeks and instead think about several years out from now. And when you think that and you're disciplined to that, you tend to, to afford yourself the discipline to take the best player on your board relative to others. I find it really interesting, and Randy Flores has been uh, kind enough to join us. He won the World Series with the Cardinals in 2006. Game 7 winner, by the way, of the NLCS on that historic night at Shea Stadium and the all-time winningest pitcher in USC history, which is a little unknown fact. So pretty darn good playing career now, uh, really good career in the front office with the Cardinals. I'm always curious, Randy, when, um, and maybe you can explain this to fans, and I've asked this question, but you've got 
and you guys have done this. I mean, you say, okay, player X is on the board, and there's player Y, and there's player Z. And your staff goes to you, and, and one guy says, I love X. The other one says, no, 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 you got to take Y. Nope, no, nope, no, nope, got to take Z. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How do you, And the, the, literally the clock is ticking, and you want to make that right pick because you don't know. You might have the next Albert Pujols in yep. the 13th round. You just don't know. So how do you how do you balance that and then come up with the pick to make sure that you're – you know, taking everybody's input and saying, this is right. the guy we want. Well, you use the word uh, that I really, you know, try to emphasize with our group, and that's balance. Um, y- y- you have to you have to strike the line between getting the most out of everyone's evaluations, meaning they contend for their piece, and whether that's an analyst contending and vying for the lens by which they devote their lives to looking at this game. Uh, and then you also have to get the scout. Um, to, to, to contend for their voice and to block out the noise or signal or third party or it being an unpopular or overwhelmingly popular opinion. You just want their honest truth. And then if there's disagreement, uh, you hope that that is birthed out of respectful dialogue with enough time to, 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 to get each person to articulate um, and, 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 and vouch for, for why they are contending for player X instead of player Y. What this draft did nicely was that the draft was a month later and so the scenario that you laid out where the clock is ticking and three people or two people are arguing or contending for a player um that that we were afforded extra time to go through those scenarios with our scouts and to 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 blend that in a way that made sense for our board well ahead of the ticking clock of a of a round selection it's really interesting so it's almost like doing the war room prior to the actual war, war room is what you're saying Yes, you're, you're, you're right. That with, a, with a later draft, we were afforded those scenarios mm-hmm. to have that without the pressure cooker of a ticking clock. Randy, one thing that gets brought up so much, whether it be scouting or just baseball and the modern version of it is the analytics, right? And people will say that as if it's kind of a trigger word and it's just a, a catch-all. Really what we're talking about is information. And this year you guys had the combine for these draft picks as well. How much did that play into your evaluation process at all? Do you think that helped you guys? You know what? I, I alluded to this in a, in a, in a separate um, discussion, and it's you really have to bear down and, and decide, is baseball a combine sport? So the fact that there was a combine is nice. It's great. You run, you throw, you're assessed, um, you throw a bullpen, you hit batting practice. But, but is that a game? Is that what you evaluate the same as a game? Is that what you evaluate the same as several games or a body of work over three years? I would say simply that the combine was a benefit. Any additional information is a benefit. What we work so hard is to decide how we will apply that benefit to our current decision-making process. And so, you know, taking that, that piece and not overemphasizing it and not underemphasizing it, but rather using it as a touch point and as a data point that go into the entire portfolio resume of a player and our department's evaluation of that player. You know, one of the first things you said was, I'm very proud of my staff of managing and getting through the pandemic and being able to come up with a very good draft. And by all accounts, by reading some of the national prognosticators of drafts, they, they graded you guys out as having a very, very good draft. So how did you get through the pandemic? And And what I mean by that is, Simply, this is a bunch of questions, so I'll let you kind of go with it. But you yourself getting out, the actual travel, did you find that certain areas of the country kids were not playing or they got off to a late start because of restrictions in certain areas? 
it, it had to play havoc on on trying to find talent. So how did you navigate through all that stuff? Yeah, great question. And you, like you said, there's a lot to unpack there. So I'll, I'll tackle a few of them. And if I don't answer what you want, you know, just kind of circle, steer me back where you, you want me to it. go with this, Danny Mac. But first of all, staff-wise, how we traveled, uh, the health and safety of, of the staff and the scouts was of utmost important, uh, importance, first and foremost. And so if any scout at any time did not feel comfortable for their health, safety of themselves or their family, um, they had complete autonomy to withdraw from the situation and re-engage later. And so we just knew that that's, that's step one. Um, you know, then, then when you go to, there were different rules in different places that you go, uh, just on, on access to players or attendance of players. And so it was, you know, a unique experience, let's just say, to fly into one location on a Friday and have 12 people in the stands, 12 total, 12 wow. scouts, no parents, no family, um, no students, 12 people. Um, and then to get on a plane the next day and go to someplace that had 12,000 people. And so, you know, that, that's where I, I think that this draft class and the players in this draft class, what they had to deal with, look, as scouts, we'll adapt to whatever the rules of the game are. We did it last year in a five-round draft that was cut off short from scouting opportunities a month into the season, and we did it this year in a 20-round draft that had a very unique fall and summer that was non-existent. We will adapt. But players, as you know, are, are routine-based, and collegiate players sign up to play a collegiate game, and all that comes with it. And so, you know, I empathize with those whose experience uh, was much different, and we did our best to work within the rules uh, that were presented from us from location to location. This may be a really dumb question. Ari should know the answer to this. But are you allowed... Now, I'm assuming that Randy Flores can pick up the phone, and if he wants to talk to the coach, the, the head coach down at Mizzou to ask about Player X, you can do that. Are you ever allowed, when you're at a game, can you go talk to the advisor or the parent or the actual player himself? What are the rules like that with baseball? You know what? So early on, uh, they, there was restricted in-person meetings just to try okay. to make sure that um, you know physical distancing was the protocol and, and the baseline for engaging with the player. That being said, last year, the, the 2020 draft really afforded every team to practice the Zoom calls or FaceTime calls to get some sort of meeting or face-to-face with the players. Now, recently, those restrictions were lifted, but yes, for a vast majority of the spring, we were restricted from meeting in person with the players. Cardinals assistant GM and director of scouting Randy Flores is our guest for another few minutes here on 101 ESPN. Randy, how much of that side of things, the uh, getting to know somebody, the interpersonal communications, all of those, how much does that play into your evaluations of players? Because we know about the arm, we know about the hit Mm -hmm. tools, all of that, but what about the mental makeup for players? Well, that's something that we really, really lean on our area scouts for. So our area scouts are are tasked with, with knowing the ins and outs of their specific territory. And so for myself in national cross-checkers who travel in a manner uh, similar to myself, you know, we're not afforded that opportunity to sit in one location for several days or weeks and get to know a coach, a travel ball coach, the mom, the dad, an advisor, the assistant coach, the teacher. We're not afforded that. Our area scouts, though, are embedded in the community, and we really, really lean on their expertise and their knowledge and their network to paint the full picture of what's inside of and outside of a player that can't be glimpsed in one-day looks of myself at our national cross-checkers. 
Now, bear with me on this uh, this question. Okay, work with me here, Randy. You ready? All right, I'm in. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay. Uh, COVID hits last year. We come back. We have baseball. I thought about you a lot last year, and I'll tell you why. The Cardinals had so many call-ups because of the uh, the situation with the roster and the doubleheaders and whatnot. And so one of the things that I love, and I, I say this all the time, and I take great responsibility in this, when someone comes up and makes a major league debut, mm-hmm. I think all the time about mom and dad, brother and sister, aunt, uncle, former coaches, player, all these people that got them to this moment. And it was so cool last year where a lot of this stuff would be shared on social media because the parents or whomever could not mm-hmm. go to the ballpark, so they're watching the game, and they're all – I got goosebumps talking about it. They're all sitting in the living room, and I th- I'll give you a great example. Dylan Carlson, all his family and friends are there, and he gets a base hit, and I'm going nuts, and there's his family going nuts. You can hear the call in the background, yep. and I'm thinking that is such a cool moment for a parent or those that are close to him, but how cool must that be for the guy that drafted him? that said, I believe in you, I'm going to draft you, we can develop you, we can make you a major leaguer. So when you see Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, some of the others that you've drafted do this, what is that moment like for you when you see him make that major league debut? Uh, good question. And uh, let me just right away reframe it and say how cool is it for us? Uh, and yeah. what, how, how cool do we think it is? Meaning the entire scouting department. And even more than that, look, all we did was scout and evaluate the player and draft the player. The second that happens, though, you're handed right off to player development. And so the teamwork that goes in with Gary LaRock and his farm system, the teamwork that goes with Dr. Butler and our performance staff and all the touch points on, on his strength and conditioning and health and wellness, uh, the touch points on our clubhouse staff, um, uh, that we, just have, we have a great, great team here. And so when you see a young player like that come up and you see that player you know, um, have an impact and you see that player's dream come true, you, you realize that it isn't just a scouting director who pulled that magnet. It, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's, a, it's an entire army of people who are devoted to this game and are devoted to the Cardinals. And uh, when you make a pick and see it work out, you're incredibly proud of the teamwork that went into getting that player um, to have their dreams come true. I've got to ask you about a couple of guys that are really showing out already that were picks from you guys last year, Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker. We talked with Michael Gersh. I think this was a couple of months ago now about Jordan Walker, and he said that the exit velocities from him down at the um, Palm Beach Stadium are basically what you would expect out of big leaguers. And then there was a story that came out on Baseball America today about Mason Wynn's arm. And so far this year, he has more than twice as many 92-plus mile-per-hour throws as every infielder in the majors (laughs) combined this season. Can you tell us a little bit about how excited you are internally about Walker and Wynn, two guys that you guys added to the team last year? Yeah, well, you you talk about uh, goosebumps. It really is fun watching their early success right out of the gate. Um, two just extraordinarily talented and driven young men who have a, who have a gift. And to, to see them tap into that and gain confidence, uh, you know, right out of the gate um, with Jordan Walker, obviously, is now, you know, in high A. And Mason Wynn, after just a few weeks, is now really, really coming along. His statistics, not just the arm strength and velocity, but his body of work basically from June 1st um, is well past um, – you know, the expectations, I think, even going into it. And to have him be, you know, an up-the-middle player with that type of arm strength, you know, we're also excited about, you know, continuing to, to test the waters on getting him on the mound as well. 
And so just a very, very unique profile in Mason Wynn, uh, a dynamic athlete, dynamic um, leadership potential, uh, the ability to impact a game on both sides of the ball and still have you know pitching in, a, in his pocket uh, paired with Jordan Walker's uh, 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 immense power um, that's combined with really a, a, a good grasp of the strike zone for a young player is uh, something that we're extremely excited about. Okay, final question. What's more nerve-wracking, season, pennant on the line, and you're on the uh, the bump at Shea, and literally the place is shaken, or trying to make the right pick? What do you got? Man, but they both can kind of knock your knees, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, and look, the, the thing is, the Shea Stadium boos a little bit more. They, you kind yeah. of feel, you, you feel that. But, uh, you know, you, you also feel it. You know what you feel? That there's a similar, there's a similar burden and I mean that in a good way. As a player, you're on the mound, and the burden is to yourself and your teammates. And, and, you, and, and that burden you feel by, and, and you, you work through that by blocking out everything. You become myopic. You become very self-centered. You know, you're not listening to the fans. You're not listening to the media. You know, you kind of, on game day, you start getting disassociated with your, your family even so that you could focus on the task at hand because that burden is very real, or it was for me. As a scouting director now, we're in a front office position. Uh, there's, a, there's a weight there because the, the consequences of the decisions are, 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 are huge. And you also know, and the way you work through that is you have to acknowledge all the work of everyone who went into a selection. You know the hours spent by our scouts. You know the brain power our analysts are, are churning through uh, via our model and that analytical process. And so the pressure as that clock ticks and you're, you're about to make a pick it comes with the acknowledgement and knowledge of this machine that drives baseball operations to try to put the best product out there. And so there are two different ways to get through to, to success. You know, both um, have uh, a tremendous responsibility. And I think it's a really, really fun part about being attached to the history of this org. Hey, this was awesome, Randy. Thank you so much. I know the fans really appreciate it. They uh, also appreciate what you did wearing the uniform. And I appreciate you. You're one of the best. So thanks okay. for coming on. Piece of cake. Thanks, guys. You got it. That's uh, Randy Flores, who is in the front office of the Cardinals. And um, this is interesting from the 573. It says, Dana BK, after listening to Randy talk just now, knowing the players that were on that 06 team, Pujols, Edmonds, Roland, Molina, Carpenter, Wainwright, then you had TLR, Okendo, Duncan. They were good and smart. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were really good. Um, I've talked to Randy a bunch. Uh, know him on a personal level. He is, as you probably can tell in that interview, phenomenal guy. Phenomenal. And he's done a really good job. Um, I will give you a little insight here. There was a season ticket holder event um, that I emceed Saturday. And John Mosellock was speaking about uh, Jordan Walker. And he was talking about a bunch of different things in the organization. But he said, at this point, we've had... Two guys that just kind of took your breath away, and I'm paraphrasing, as minor league hitters. One was pretty obvious, Albert Pujols, in his time of being uh, affiliated with the Cardinals, which is 20-plus years. Next one was Oscar Tavares, and he said the next one is Jordan Walker. Wow. Yeah. He said this guy is young, hits for power, all the, the anything of the measurables that you look at in terms of analytically and just as baseball, just, just a baseball player, he said... We are awfully excited about this kid. Have you heard any interviews with him, by the way? He's Jordan great. Walker? Smart kid, good kid. Yeah. Really impressive. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things why I asked uh, Randy Flores about the mental side of 
uh, the makeup of a player is because it's not just can you throw, can you hit. It's also the aptitude. Can you? We talk so much about the pregame um, and the preparation that goes into stuff this season for the Cardinals in particular. That's a big part of it. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to be able to make it at the big league level. Did I hear, by the way, Randy Flores say that Mason Wynn's going to do uh, do some pitching? Yeah, you're going to be a little bit Otani on this one. I, they're not going to give up on him on the mound. Interesting. Yeah, that's going to continue. I, I don't know if he wanted to deep dive as much sure. there, but I can because I'm media, so whatever. Yeah, I mean, at the lower levels right now, they're not going to give up on that side of it, and they're not going to give up on the other side either. So I think you're going to have a situation where he continues That's to, really do, interesting. to do a little bit of both. And let's face it, I think when you're watching Otani now, and if you if you select these type of players, why would you limit yourself? You know, it just seems so tough for well, the development. I, I think, though, BK, one, one side of it, if you're a position player and all of a sudden, like, you're Jason Mott, okay, and you've got a huge arm. Now, he had never pitched before, but you, all of a sudden you can't hit a curveball. Okay, are we going to now? You you say okay on one side of this player, he's hit the ceiling, mm-hmm. and we're giving it the best shot we we can, but it's over. It's just not going to happen. So why not continue to try to grow and, and responsibly and keep them healthy, both sides of it, and see what you come up with. Man, it's it's a fascinating path, and I just frankly hadn't really thought about it. Um, I I assumed based on like Mason Wynn so far has not done pitching down at the lower levels. He, he's he has not in a game appeared that way. So I just made an assumption, and it was a bad job on my part, that they were going to continue developing him as a shortstop, not a pitcher. Them developing him as both, a two-sided player. Wow. That, that'd I be fascinating they, I to think see. they'll dip their toe in the water with that. Why not? No reason not to. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. That was a lot of fun visiting with Randy Flores. If you missed any of that, you can go to the 101 ESPN website and all the podcasts are brought to you by good folks at IPromiseEYEPromise.com. And you have your partner along with Tanner. That's the right. whole family is back together for this the next three great, hours. It feels normal again. You know how we were in the middle of a pandemic and then it took a while for things to feel normal at sporting events. Well, it feels normal for me after a week of being all kinds of finagling around here at the studio. Nope, nope, nope. This feels good. Back to normal, baby. Looking forward to it. Coming up at 1130, we have Katie Wu, our weekly hit with her. That is coming up at 1130. We've got Greg Wyshynski at noon talking about the expansion draft coming up later this week and some legitimate surprises on the protection list. Carrie Price is going to be available. Vladimir Tarasenko going to be available. We'll talk about it all coming up from 11 to 2. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.